Alright, we're back again for NAL Live. This is episode 6, and it's a special afternoon show. Uh, I figured let's test out different times. Let's see if uh, uh, people like watching during the day or evening better. Um, and so today, which is cool because we have our first team owner on, and I love that because, you know, the owners usually never get any of the glory. It's like they only get brought up if it's bad. So, but that's probably why you don't know Joshua Blair because he does it right. You know, he is the owner of the Columbus Lions and uh, welcome to the show, Joshua. How are you? I'm very good, Andrew. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Well, I'm glad you joined me. Like I said, first owner. And uh, but like, I want to get to know you a little bit more like like before Columbus Lions. So kind of walk us through like where you're from, you know, where'd you grow up and uh, kind of your career up until the Columbus Lions. Okay. Well, so I, uh, I was born in San Antonio, Texas, and my father was in the, uh, in the air force. So he was a, a F4 navigator. So it, I had an interesting life. I got a chance to travel around the world. Um, I think, I mean, I lived in Spain for seven years. I, I've, you know, I was able to travel, you know, through that and some other things. I've been to pro- I've probably uh, traveled to 40 some odd different countries. Oh, wow. Lived in, you know, lived in four to four or five different continents. Um, so my main, you know, uh, I I lived in North Carolina, Goldsboro, North Carolina for a while. I lived in Spain for seven years. And then uh, when I, I went to high school in Spain, played football in Spain, in fact, played uh, eight and nine man football, outdoor eight and nine man football because our schools were so small. In fact, my school with 500 students had to field two teams, two varsity teams, and we had to play each other for homecoming. So that was kind of it was it was good and bad, I guess. If you won, it was great. If you didn't win, it was terrible. Um, and then when I finished high school, I um, went to Brigham Young University and they're in Utah, Provo, Utah. And uh, and then when I graduated from uh, college, I went I went in the army. I was an infantry officer in the army. And then I kind of bounced around, lived, lived in some different places uh, there as well. And then when I, um, when I got out of the army, I moved down to, I, I, I went, worked in a few different companies and, and, uh, and then eventually I decided, you know what, I want to move back to Columbus, Georgia and start a scuba shop because I had been, scuba diving was my passion. I, I can remember uh, I was working for a company called Master Brand Cabinets in Auburn, Alabama. And I, when I was there, I remember on Easter week, I worked, uh, I think, 93 hours that week. And I got my 40 hours worth of pay and I realized, you know, if I put this much effort into something that I owned, man, I'd be a millionaire someday. And so while I'm not quite there, uh, I decided, you know what, what do I love to do? And I, I love to scuba dive. So I said, you know what, I was a scuba instructor. I said, um, you know, I wasn't a very good one in the beginning, but I said, uh, you know, I love to scuba dive. Why don't I, you know, why don't I do that? So I had to figure out, imagine taking a hobby and, and trying to figure out how many ways, how many things can I do with this hobby to get people to pay me to do it? And so uh, I knew uh, I, I started a scuba shop, Chattahoochee Scuba here in Columbus, Georgia. And we learned very quickly that our, in our main focus were veterans and uh, soldiers and veterans. And then, and then those that wanted a professional career in diving. And so we focused on, uh, we are, you know, our team focused on that and we kind of made our name, a name for ourselves in the veteran community. And also 
uh, we just did a lot of things. We, you know, as, as part of that career, I got to do a lot. I travel all over. The, I've been able to travel all over the world and go diving. Just a year ago, I was in the Galapagos Islands diving and I dove with, uh, I think it was 23 whale sharks. I, you know, not all at one time, but on over the course of a week, saw 23 different whale sharks while I was diving. Um, and then, uh, let's see, we... I've been able to do some some fun things uh, the, in Columbus, Georgia. They decided one year to take out the dams. You know, dams have been there 150 years, and I was contracted to go down and search the entire riverbed and find out what all is down there. We found predecessor dams or dams that were in front of the dams that they used to block the water so they could build a, a bigger dam behind it. We found all these old artifacts and some of this stuff nobody had seen in 100, 100, 150 years. And I was the first one to get a chance to see it. And uh, it was it was wonderful. And then and then I, it, it, one of the one of my kind of claims to fame was I was featured in a documentary. Um, I know that uh, Steve and, and Jeff were fans of documentaries. So the documentary was the Chattahoochee Unplugged. Uh, and it actually won two Emmys. And so I was one of the featured people in it. And that, that was kind of, that was a cool, uh, you know, kind of a cool thing. It was uh, Ted Turner's son who produced it, Rhett Turner. And then, you know, and then over time, you know, I, then I then I was, you know, I just kind of ran my business and, and, and went through life. And then all of a sudden I was, you know, there was a little, it was actually a little kid. I'll call him Lightning because uh, he was, he came in to do swimming lessons at my scuba shop. and. You know, so lightning, uh, uh, we were, you know, is that, he's probably, is that Jason Gibson's nickname or <laughs> no, but, but funny, funnily enough, interestingly enough, he was, he was the first movie, the kid and I actually got to see the other was cars. And he comes and tells me one day, he said, you know what? Uh, he goes, you know what, Mr. Josh, my name is lightning. Cause I'm fast and you're mater cause you're slow. <laughs> and so he started calling me Mater, and eventually that en ended up becoming Matey for a long time. So that was my nickname for a long time. And so, uh, but but we we were looking for something to do one night. He was about five years old, four or five years old. And we saw that the Columbus Lions were playing a football game. And I was a huge, huge football fan. And I hated when the NFL season ended and I had to wait five months for it to start picking back up again. I mean, that five months was just you know, for me, it was just dredge and work. And, and I, you know, I, I was such a big fan of football. So I saw the Columbus Lions were playing. So we decided to go to a game in the middle of the season. We went to a game and we sat up way in the nosebleed seats. And he said, matey, this this ain't going to do. We need to we need to come back again and we need to sit down where we can see the game. You know, and it wasn't like it was a terrible, but we were kind of up higher than everybody else. So we we decided to come back in. We watched another game. We, we went down and uh, I think we got. I talked to Tanima Willick, our ticketing uh, person. She was wonderful in the beginning. So, and, and she still is, by the way. But uh, so she, I, you know, we, we went into the ticket office and we talked to her and, and, and I said, hey, is there, what's the best seats we can get? And she was able to get me a second or third row seat into the, into the VIP section. So while we're there in the VIP section, you know, I can remember we, were, we did that for a couple of games and we were really getting into it. Um, and especially, you know, he, he what he really liked was he could get on the field after the game. He'd get on the field. We'd bring a football. We'd play football on a professional football field. We'd get a chance to talk to the players and start meeting them. And and then one day, this they had a I guess they, they had a water boy and uh, it was this little kid. He he must have been 
four years old, I think, or something like that, four or five years old. He comes running out of the off the bench, and he gets to, probably to the front of the goal line, and he just stops and puts the balls down because they were so heavy for him. And uh, he picks them up and goes another five or ten yards. And it was just kind of funny because they just paused the game because it was this was an interesting piece. And, then, and, and it just naturally they paused the game for this five-year-old little boy to run out there. And so Lightning decides, he goes, he goes, matey, I can do that. So that week we walked into the office and we talked to Tanima about it. She mentioned it to Coach Gibson. And, and then Coach Gibson sent uh, Lightning a, a postcard and said, hey, how'd you like to be the water boy for a game? So we come back in the office the next week. And so Coach Gibson and uh, or Jason's talking to Lightning and he goes, how'd you like to be the water boy for a week? He goes, no, I'm going to be the water boy for the whole season. <laughs> and he was a water boy for three years. And uh, so the way I got involved with the Lions, of course, I had to bring him to the games and we would come to, th- we would make an excuse to come three hours early. And we just put, threw the football around on the field, you know, two, three hours ahead of time. And then when it came time for the, the team to go do their things in the intros, I would pass them off to coach Meek and, um, and then I would go sit in my seat. And by this time I had gotten front row seats and, uh, eventually, you know, Jason was on the wall all the time on my side and he'd come talk to me because he, you know, it was, I would say in the beginning it was a little awkward. Both of us, you know, he was always busy. I didn't want to bug him. I mean, he was, he's probably the busiest person I know, <laughs> but over time we got to talk and, and he'd ask me questions about football when I'd come in the office and, and eventually, um, I, you know, I expressed some interest in, you know, I, what does it take to be an owner? And, and they kind of ran with it. And then and over about a year of talking about it, uh, Jason came in and asked if I would, if I was interested in coming along and being part of the ownership group. And, uh, and so I, you know, a few months later, I went ahead and put down the, or bought the shares that I needed to, to become an owner. And, and here we are. So how long, you said you moved to uh, Columbus. How long have you lived in Columbus? Uh, I moved here in 2004. And it's, in fact, it's the longest I've ever lived anywhere. Of course, it's not 2020, but it was 16 years. I've been stationed here a couple times. But before that, I had never lived anywhere more than four years in my life. And so I got a chance to move around. And it's kind of weird because, you know, having now been here and putting down roots, it's kind of nice. But, I, but I've, that, that itch to travel is always there. Uh, you know, uh, I, I got married about two years ago. My wife got the, you know, at, at first I traveled so much that she didn't want to travel. But now that the Corona set, she's begging to travel. <laughs> it's like, let's so, get out. Let's get out of here. Right, what, right. It, what was it about Columbus? Like what, you know, why settle there of all places? Um, well, the big reason was uh, I was, I had been stationed here for a year or two. And I, I became a scuba instructor here in Columbus. And so when I decided to open up a dive shop, we, it was naturally a good place because I already had a network of people that I could, I could, that I had trained that I, I could go to that I didn't, I wasn't just walking to a new city somewhere and opening up a shop. I mean, I think that would be opening a dive shop already is very difficult. Um, And so when I, I I just decided, Hey, let's, let's try Columbus because I, it's at the time it was one of the largest markets that there was no patty, which is the group that I'm affiliated with, with, they didn't have a shop in Columbus and it was one of the largest markets in the country that did not have a patty dive shop. So it turned out to be, and then uh, our first year open, we, we blew it out of the park and it did really, really well uh, back in 2005. And so that was, it turned out to be a good decision. So when I come to Columbus for a game, I'm going to come a day or two early so I can get some, some scuba lessons. I've never done it. I've always kind of wanted to. 
I've had I've made friends with some fans from other teams, and I have and always invited them to come. And we've had several take up take me up on the offer, and they'll come up for the game in the morning before the game. They're scuba diving. Others lining out. He's one of the players that I'm so excited to watch. I've been watching his highlights. I think he's what six six foot seven. I mean, I watched some of his things going where he's going over the wall, and I'm excited to watch 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 him play. Uh, yeah, but, well, that, that should be a, a, a ticket package for you. Hey, you know what? Get scuba, you know, certified and go to a game. <laughs> well, we do a, what we do is we, it's about a three hour process. And what you do is that you learn, you don't, you don't get the whole thing, but it's like the first lesson. But by the end of the, t- by the end of the three hours, you're at the bottom of the pool diving and you're right. You know what? That is a good ticket package. And I'll probably offer that to, you know, if anybody's listening and wants to come dive before a game, my staff will take great care of you. Yeah, no, that's cool. So, like, how long ago did you end up jumping in the ownership of Columbus? I think it's it was the – we talked about it the whole first year of the NAL. So, it was the second year of the NAL. So, it's been three years since I've been one of the owners of the team. Uh, but I had been kind of going to all the games. I mean, I even went to some of the away games. Lonnie, oh, Lonnie's ready to go, man. I mean, I'm excited to see him and, you know, him paired up with some of our other receivers like Desmond Reese, who he, we got, we picked him up in a tryout. Amazing kid. I remember I just looked at him and he was, he was this like this smallish kind of, not really small. I mean, it, in relative terms co- compared to Lonnie, he'll look a little shorter, but, right. uh, but he was an amazing kid and just kind of just happened to be in the right place at the right time. He just has a football head about him. I remember looking at him and I was like, you know, he looks like uh, King Ezekiel. He had the, he had the, you know the dreads and the and the, the the beard and everything. He looked just like King Ezekiel from the shape of the of his of how he how his hair was, and so I, I went and talked to him that day, and then uh, watched him get in a game. I watched uh, um, uh, Desmond get into a game, and my gosh, he was he got, he got into a game because we were short on short on receivers or something that week, and he played really well. Picked up a fumble, did this, did this. He just happened to be he has a he knows where the ball is, and he's always running the ball. And then, so I, I kept pestering Jason. Why don't we bring him back? He's a local guy. He's great. Um, he's got a big following and uh, we should bring him back. And, you know, he played a couple games for us and then eventually came back and then finished off the rest of the season. And it was just an amazing kid. So you're, you're kind of like Jerry Jones then too. You, you don't just own the team. You're, you're doing player personnel too. No, not in any way. I, I, I honestly leave that. I'm completely out of that. I might get involved, uh, if they're if they're like I, I was beating Jason up for a good kicker, uh, we had we had great kickers, but sometimes they would have some off games, and we went through a period where we lost three games based on a kick, mm. and that's tough. That's a tough pill to swallow when you know you miss an extra point, and you lose a game, and so uh, so I kind of you know I, I hit Jason up over and over said you need to find us a good kicker. I know that it's easy to have a, a local kicker. But we need a kicker because a kicker will make I, – I always thought a kicker made a huge difference of a game. He can score the equivalent of a touchdown or two and, and you know, between deuces and extra points and field goals. And that's – you know, that's a huge difference. And I remember he called me up one day. He goes, he goes you're going to love me for this. And, um, and he calls me and says, hey, we got a kicker out of Boise State, Tyler Rossa. And I said, so, so Tyler uh, – so I, he told me that he, had, he was a runner-up for the – I don't know. I forget the name of the trophy that the kickers get. I mean, I think I think most people would. They get a, they get a trophy. <laughs> I think so. But I, I was a kicker. I, I played kicker in high school. One of my positions that I played. So I was really big into that. And I, I 
And we brought him in and we played his first game. We were playing the Massachusetts Pirates and he scored 24 points in that game. I think he had five deuces, two extra, two field goals and a handful of extra points to include with the winning uh, extra point with no time left on the clock, just decimated. Uh, you know, his kicking game was just, you know, amazing. And I, I still think he's, there we go. The Lou Groza award. That's what it is. Thanks. So Antoine. Yeah. So he did, uh, he was amazing. And he just, I remember going out, I picked him up from the airport, not the airport, but I picked him up from the, tra- the room transportation, drove him in, talked to him a bunch and then took him to practice. And I, and I videotaped his first kick. It was a, he kicked it. He kicked a deuce on his first kick just in practice, you know, warmups. And it was just, he was a, he was a great guy. I think he should be in the NFL. Um, and then, but I made one big mistake because I decided, you know, this is, this is arena football. We need to have, you know, it's gotta be a lot of fan interaction. And so I created a, a walk on song for him. Every time he walked on the field, it's time to play the game from wrestling, uh, from triple H. And so we would put that on and it, who knew that this would destroy <laughs> every time it would come on, he would miss, he would kick terribly. And so finally the equipment managers and everybody's running over to me in the middle of a game saying, Hey, you got to turn that off. You got to turn that off. So we, we finally turned it off and he picked up his game again. And then, but then he, he went to the Massachusetts pirates and uh, every time he'd come play us, we turned back on every time he walked on the field and, and he didn't do oh, that. Great. Nice. So but he was a great guy. I love Tyler. And he, he did really well in the, uh, uh, and then I, I guess it was the AAF. Uh, so he did really well there, and hopefully he makes it to the NFL someday. Well, Casey Smith, who just joined your your ownership group, I, he and I go way back, and uh, he's right. I had kicking issues as well. I signed a mascot, <laughs> and I actually put the mascot in the game, and he, he made an extra point. So wow, um, it was like a non league game. So yeah, it's a great gimmick. I, uh, yeah, Casey's great. He's uh, I've had a chance to meet with him a few times, and um, you know we're excited. We're we're uh, the Columbus is trying something new where we're bringing on uh, new partners and new owners. We 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 would like to get up to about twenty owners yep. if we could, and and truly become a community based team where you know businessmen in the community can get involved. They can all bring their talents and their abilities to help the team. And then of course, there's a lot of things that benefits that if you're an owner of a a football team, a professional football team, there are a lot of benefits that you get as well. And so there really is a great symbiotic relationship there that I, and and so I'm, I'm uh, one of the changes that I made when I became the majority owner was dropping the minimum uh, buy-in at 5% down to 1%. And so we've got uh, a few uh, owners coming in now, and there's a few more that we're, we're in discussions with. So we're excited to, to see how that bears fruit. And I'll tell you what, I think that's a great idea because I can't tell you how many times I've been a, you know, the solo owner or 90 something percent and man, it gets lonely by yourself. And I, I've never been like a huge money guy. I'm, I'm more of an right. operator. So there's little er- like room for error when you're not properly, properly capitalized. Um, right. And, like you said, if I ever got back into it, that's exactly what I would do is I would put together a large group of people that have a similar vision that it's about the community. And not only do you get some some extra capital, but you get those contacts, you get those people that now are bought in. And I can tell you right now, 
Casey's got a great deal of knowledge and right. from a marketing standpoint and, and things like that. I mean, and obviously he's going to, he's going to help. It's his investment right. no, and, well, and we, the whole we thing. Pursued, we pursued Casey. Uh, once, once he came down and met with us last year, um, we realized that, you know, trying to buy in at, at a higher percentage, you also meant, you know, a significantly amount of uh, greater amount of money. So, we re realized that by dropping that, we can get people that are willing, that want to get in on the ground level, uh, you know, and be a true owner, have true ownership in the team, not just a share of, of some random thing. And like some of the other, we've seen some of the other teams do this year. Um, and and we, we've, we've already seen just some of the recommendations and, and things that and pointers that Casey's given Coach Gibson and I, it's, it's made a huge impact. And we, we're looking forward to this season. Uh, and then we've, we've got a, we've got a couple more owners in the works. And one of the, one of the other ones we've been talking to, uh, uh, Eugenio Castro down in Chile, uh, great guy, great story. Um, and we've got a lot of wonderful things coming up from that soon too. Right here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he, so Eugenio, and I, I know uh, Chris Siegfried talked about him from the owners meetings, Yeah. but Eugenio was down in Chile and he owns a, uh, 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 a sports academy, a developmental sports academy down there. And what he does is he trains people to play American football. And so, and not only is it, it's not just in Chile, but it's also in Ecuador and Argentina. And they've got, they, they, he, he, I remember um, talking and they, and I, I might be a little fuzzy on the exact details, but I think they had six countries in South America and Latin America come down to Chile and play a, 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 each country, put put together an American football team. And then 5,000 people show up to the game and 100,000 people look at it from on social media. That's so awesome. there's a huge following. And so um, one of the things that, that you know, I, I talked with him. I, I met him. You know, it's kind of weird how we met. I was visiting Chile last year uh, with or even a year and a half ago when my best friend was stationed at the embassy. He was the senior military officer in Chile. And uh, so while I was down there, um, how is this real quick? NAL says go Sharks. We got <laughs> who the hell's running the social media over there? Come that's, on. I, I'm sure that's that's Steven. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Sorry. Having fun. I had to throw that up there. You know, uh, so we're down there, and, and because I'm down there, all of a sudden I'm seeing on Facebook, I'm seeing more comments from people in Chile. And I happen to notice, you know, this. <laughs> uh, there's Jason. Hope, hopefully he's doing well. We, we love Jason. Um, but we, we, I see, I see a post from this guy in Chile and I'm like, wait a minute, is this guy, how is this guy involved in football? So I messaged him and he, we, we started talking and he, and he, and he, and he immediately says, Hey, I want to come up and I want to be part of the game. I want to do this. And so he, he happened to be in some meetings. I think he was at an NCAA, uh, comp, some sort of combine with the NFL. And he was up here representing the S South America with some players. And uh, so I said, Hey, you're in Orlando. Chris Siegfried's in Orlando. Let me get you two together. And then they got together and Chris was, you know, I, 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 I wasn't sure if anything was going to come of it. Uh, but I guess Chris and him talked over their little translating thing that they do. <laughs> <laughs> and next thing I know, you know, there, there all of a sudden there were some kind of some big plans, but we realized, you know, you can have huge plans. But there might there might be thirty steps to get to the end of that plan, and so one of the things that I'm, I'm very thankful for with the NAL is they've learned you can't go to step thirty in 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 in, 
you know, in a week or, or a year. You got to take those steps along the way and make sure you've built a foundation. So that way, every time you build another block on there, uh, that you have a foundation that you can rely on. So if you take a step back, you're not falling all the way off the off, you know, off the pyramid there. Um, and so with uh, Eugenio, we're, we're bringing in uh, one of his players actually uh, with the with the South American. Um, I forget what Chris called it, but uh, by being we're able to bring in a player that doesn't count on our roster space. So we've already signed um, one of his players, Felipe, and he's going to be coming up and playing. He's going to be part of the team. Uh, you know, he's going to have he, he's I, I don't I'm not I don't know whether his you know, he's seen that level of competition yet, but he'll he'll get there quick. But I, I'm sure the team's going to love him. Uh, you know, uh, he's going to come up and he's and uh, he's a big kid. I think he weighs. I think he's 330 pounds, and so we'll see what he can do. Well, the good thing is it gives him an opportunity to come up and and compete and learn. And so right. hopefully, you know, that can be a whole nother avenue to um, attract um, good talent and international talent. Because you know, let's let's face it, we want to grow the game globally, not just here in the U.S. Right. So. Um, you know, that's, that's real exciting to hear. Going well, back here, to, well, just real quick on that. One of the things we're excited about is Eugenio has been, has been marketing the NAL in South America through all of his contacts. I, it's interesting. We see, you know, if we look at our, our postings, we might get 5,000 views or I remember I had one play of German Thorson that got 20,000 views that I, that it just an amazing touchdown guess he had. But when they post it down there, he's getting 100,000 views on some of his posts. Wow. So imagine when the NAL season starts and we're Columbus is working on trying to get a Spanish language broadcast as well as an English broadcast on YouTube. Imagine all the views and all the people that will get involved in football if we can and we can bring in an entire continent and, you know, and we're the, we're the only game in town. Has there been any discussions on maybe trying to do like a uh, like an all star game down there from the NAL teams up here or some sort of exhibitions? Well, we, t- we I think there has been, but I, I think I don't know that that's in the you know the first few steps. Uh, but one thing that we have done is Coach Gibson and I and some of our our uh, the Lions team we're gonna we were planning on going down. In fact, we're supposed to be down there next month, except we've had to cancel it due to COVID. So we're gonna do it next year is we are going to hold some football camps. We're going to go to their to Chile, Argentina, and Ecuador, hold a, hold a, a one-day camp in each place. And also, uh, Jason's going to hold a camp for the, for the, um, for the coaches and how, nice. help the coaches learn how to teach football at each of the locations. So that's something that we're going to do, um, we're going to do next year. We're going to have to do it at the, at the beginning, before next, not this season, but the, before the next season. And hopefully, uh, you know, the COVID, what's going on with COVID, we're allowed to do that. Yeah, no, I think that's great that, uh, I mean, it's a process. So, I mean, right. you know, it, it is going to take a little bit of time to uh, to get it, you know, where where you want it. But, uh, you know, he's he's excited for the the Lions season upcoming. But going well, back that's to – that's, that's a great thing about new owners. They're very excited. Oh, yeah. I don't know. You might not want to say on here, but you know, do you have any kind of like, you know, investment range that you look for, for, you know, owners coming in? And if you don't want to say that's fine, I, I, you know, didn't prep you for that, but I was just thinking with, with that. So kind of people have an idea. Um, I know I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll share my experience. When I came in, I spent $40,000 to come in 
Um, and uh, what I appreciated was I quickly made it back in marketing, but by using the team and being able to market and 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 bring and and attract folks to the scuba shop, which was able to make it back. Um, so we're you know we're looking at uh, probably about eight thousand dollars a share, uh, just kind of a ballpark figure. Yeah. No, I think that's cool, and I think that that is so important to hit though because I can't tell you how much. I've made off of not necessarily the team directly, but indirectly, like through other businesses that I own, because number one is I believe in sports marketing. And so having seen it firsthand, when I can see my business get an increase in sales due to marketing through the team, it makes it easy to go out and sell in the community as well, because you know, it can work and uh, does work. So, uh, but yeah, there's so many benefits that, you know, ownership brings that, you know, are not just black and white on the, the balance sheet. So, um, right. you know, and you probably won't make money on the football piece of it. I mean, that if we break even every year, we're going to be ecstatic. Yep. Um, but, you know, my, my business has been exposed to a lot more people that ever would have if I had not gotten involved. With football. Yeah. Well, and the, the thing is, you're not going to you're not going to go broke either. You know, having a nice group of, of people. So, right. you know, it's it's more sustainable. And, um, you know, Columbus has been there, you know, for for years, I remember going down there to as league president when uh, the the first team the the first team Jason was with started there right. the the Vipers, and uh, nice nice community, you know right. nice nice facility. You got a building that is supportive, which is crucial. A lot of times, you know, arena football is the redheaded stepchild in the arena, you right. know, and you know you guys have a, a good support system there, which is great. Um, how do you balance it all? You know, you have your business and the one thing I've seen over the years, sometimes you'll get a, a new owner in and they get so caught up in the team cause it's fun and it's the shiny new toy and right. then it neglects their business and they really struggle. So how do you kind of stay grounded and focused so that that doesn't happen with you? Well, uh, the, the bottom line is at the, like at the scuba shop and then also with we and Jason and we own a couple of other businesses as well. But with each of the businesses, you have to have you have to have built that staff up. And I, I couldn't have done what I'm doing with the Lions now, say, 10 years ago. My business was was not in a position where it would, would support that. I've got a great staff at the scuba shop. Jimmy and Jared do a wonderful job. I've got about 20 instructors who can handle that. In the beginning, I used to do most of the teaching most of the operating, most of everything. I was kind of, a, yep. <laughs> it's not really a one man show, but, but I, I had to be there to make all the decisions and everything else. And so now what's been nice is I, I spent probably years, five years training up the staff to do what they can do now to the point where I don't have to be in as much. And so now when I, now I can, instead of work being, instead of working in the business, I'm working on the business. Uh, you know, a lot of people like to say that, but so now I, I, my job now is more to bring more business and, and then figure out how do I get my staff to be able to support what we can bring in. And, and, you know, sometimes we have to tap, tap it back. Um, I, I, I know during the, uh, you know, during the summer months, we tripled, uh, when everything was shut down, you know, there's no, there's no Corona underwater, at least that we know of. There's not. So we, so we did, we did pretty good. And in a sense, we, I mean, we tripled the amount of students that were coming through. And so that was a challenge. Um, and, but fortunately we had a lot of, we had great staff, great instructors who, you know, did what they, what they could to make it work. And, you know, some days it's, it's, some days it's stressful, some days it's not, 
but the, the big key is make sure that, um, one, I try not to take my work home with me. So uh, I don't, it, 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 I started yesterday, I think, because you know, now I, I realize I got, I got about a month's worth of bookkeeping to do in the next seven days. I felt bad so, the other day though because you were like, "Yeah, it's it's my wife's birthday," and I I'm not. I told her I wasn't going to be working, and I keep messaging you back. I was like, "Should I stop or just continue?" No, it's it's, it's all good. Um, so basically, I you know I, I try. I, you just you just have to know what's going to be important. The one good thing about football is we've set up the office so that it can run on its own. We brought in some good people. We brought in Curtis Minifield. We brought in, and we've got Tanima who works there. We, you know, we've got Rick as the salesperson. And, um, and then we've got a lot of people who come in and volunteer and help out when we need it in their specific areas. And then we have some great owners, you know, we've got John Hargrove and John's an amazing guy. He, uh, he's one of his positions is the assistant, uh, the civilian assistant, the secretary of the army. So he has a lot of connections. He's the kind of guy that when he walks onto Fort Benning, the protocol in office knows he's coming. And so they have somebody, you know, he, wherever he walks in, he he is, I don't know if handled is the right word, but basically they know he's there and they don't want him running around post all these different places on his own. They want to make sure that, you know, he doesn't want to go surprise one of the generals. Um, and so, uh, and then you got Mike Hall, who's been, he's, he's been a wonderful addition to the team. And um, and then Jay Patel, Dr. Patel, he's been, he's been great, been, you know, helped us out with quite a bit. And so, and then, so we've got a, a great staff and we basically, we have to empower them to do their jobs because if they will do their jobs, that will allow me to do, you know, my piece of it, which is, which is not a, a lot of it. You know, my mind gets more to the level of, Hey, here's what we want to do. And my, my job really is to pick holes in it, figure out how do we make whatever they want their idea? How do we make that a little bit better? And how do we support it from the ownership group? And also, is it is it something that's doable? And can we afford to do that? Are you considered the like managing partner for the club? Yeah, or? yeah I, I am. I, yeah, I'm the managing partner. I, own, I have the majority share in the team now. I started out with a small percentage and then, um, you know, because you had, you know, at the time you had Kiki and Skip Seda who had been there basically almost from the beginning. And then uh, Keith Norred and uh, Duke Libatory. And so all of them were at a point where, you know, they'd been involved with it nearly 13, 14 years. And, and it was time for them. Uh, you know, they had, they were, you know, kind of getting up there in age, there were some health, health issues. And so uh, I just happened to come in at a good time and worked with each one of them, you know, as, as a group, and then um, was able to purchase their shares from them and, and then decided, Hey, we need, you know, I'm not going to, I can't, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not as affluent as some of the other owners in the league. So like you, you can't, it's, it, you know, being a, a huge percentage owner, mm-hmm. you need some help. Um, you don't want to, uh, if it, if the season's not going to be a good season financially, then you don't want to be stuck with the bill at the end of the year. So we went out and said, you know, let's, let's look for some, you know, some, some good owners. And so we've done that and we're in the process of, uh, of continuing that. Yeah, I think that's good. I think that's, that's smart. Going back to your business, do you do a lot of cross promotion between, you know, the, the scuba and the team, or is it more team to scuba? Um, we do some, uh, like the, like when it, a lot of times I'll take up some of the unused advertising and put, put things up and I'll pay, you know, I'll pay for the signage and then just put them up. Uh, and then when somebody else wants to buy it immediately, I, you know, for me, it's no brainer, take it. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, so, so I, I can get as much advertising as we, we need there. Um, 
And so sometimes there's some cross promotions. Uh, one of the things that, you know, I've been trying to work with Jason on is showing him how, all right, so we have all these contacts with the lines. We have all these contacts with the, with scuba diving and we have, you know, for these other things. So he and I actually started another business together, which was go jump and slide, which is a bouncy house business. And so Smart. now, well, and what, one of the things we do is, you know, we talked about it where if you, every time we run out of bouncy house, let's, let's give them uh, a ticket to a game and then, or a free swimming lesson or a, or a free scuba lesson or something along those lines. Um, because, you know, there are people that are looking for adventure and everything else. So yes, there has been some cross promotion of different things. And, uh, you know, we look for those opportunities uh, to make that happen. So let's talk a little bit about the league and, you know, how is the league structured? Because a lot of fans don't really understand or know, um, you know, they see Chris Siegfried as the commissioner. They think that, you know, he makes all the decisions and, um, you know, kind of dictates everything. But how is the league, you know, kind of set up from a um, leadership and management and structure standpoint? Okay, so – there um so the, as far as the leadership goes there are three there's the, the league is run by a board and there's a board of directors every team has a every team provides one person to the board and an alternate so there are there so right now there are 14 members on that board um there is an executive board made up of three members which is rob storm steve Corrin, and myself and uh the executive board uh you know, it's realistically, it's run by the board itself. The executive board might guide some direction or, you know, a little more hands on a little more hands on and a more, uh, more day to day, but we allow Chris to operate most of the day to day items. Whenever, he, whenever he, uh, whenever something is, that is going to be kind of a major item, we usually go to the executive board and we figure out what to do from there. Uh, but Chris, um, coincident, you know, he, he, he will probably do a lot of the 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 day-to-day stuff but for the most part the decisions are all made by the ownership uh the league there is no one person that owns this owns the league the league is owned by the teams i believe the nfl set up that way as well Mm -hmm. um but the league is owned by the teams and each team has an equal vote so um while jacksonville may think they're the great great thing they get the same vote that i do in columbus and so that's that was a you know that's the great part about it is um you know, if you look at Columbus, we are the, you know, I don't know if they, the NL would let us into the league now it's if we were coming market. in as a new team. We're just a tiny market compared to, we, I mean, we have a couple hundred thousand people in our area versus, I mean, we're, we're definitely the Green Bay of the of the International <laughs> Arena League. But then you look at, you know, Albany or when we had the street, the New York streets in, you know, 28 million people or something like that. And then, and then you've got Jacksonville with, I think it's 1.8 million. If, if you look at the whole Metro area Orlando, uh, or Orlando, you know, sometimes I look at this and like, what, what is, what are the Columbus lions doing here? Cause you know, one of my friends, one of the guys that, uh, now I've, I've got a little group of people that I use as a sounding board. Um, and I think, uh, Skyler said, you know what? Cause I asked him, what, what would I talk about on the show? When you asked me to be on the show, I said, what would I even talk about? Skyler goes, his, his, his answer was pretty, he said, the Columbus Lions are football's greatest underdog story. And that was his, a quote from him. And I said, I said, you know, you're right. Because if you look at the, that first championship game that Steve likes to talk about all the time, here's, what, here's the situation. We had just formed the NAL. Well, not we. I wasn't a part of it at the time. But the NFL had just formed. And they brought in the Columbus Lions who came from the PIFL, which is you know, probably a tier three league. 
And then you have the Jacksonville Sharks, which came from the AFL, probably a tier one league. Right. And we're kind of pushing it into a, you know, kind of what we, I, I don't know. I'm not really big into the tiers, but if, but just to kind of make, understand the story. And then we're now in a tier two league, but they're really, it's really a tier three team playing in the championship game against a tier one team. I walked on the field and I'm a big guy. I mean, these players were massive on the Jacksonville Sharks. I look at our team. We carried almost the exact same team from the PIFL into the next season because we'd had them for five and six, seven years. And we look at the Sharks and it was the same team that they had had in the AFL. And, you know, we had no business being on the field. But you know what? We took them. I, I can remember I was sitting next to the bench in the front row with a bunch of their fans. And I, and at first, every, and I'm wearing my Columbus stuff and everybody's like, and all the clients are coming over talking to me and everything. And we're sitting there and the all of a sudden, uh, we're down like 20, 20 to five or something like that at the halftime, 21 to five. And we somehow come back. Jason plays a, does a miracle and starts to come back. And next thing I know, we have about a minute left in the game. We're only down by five points. And Jason's got the ball on, on his own five, on the line, on their own five, 10 yard line. He starts marching down the field and you could have, that arena was silent. You <laughs> could have heard a pin drop because they were so worried that they were about to lose a game to this rinky-dink team from, from Georgia. And it was amazing. The people around me started almost congratulating. I mean, they were like, man, I can't believe you guys are pulling this out. I can't believe you pulled this out. And we get on the five-yard line. Jason calls a timeout to, to burn a little bit more of the clock. And we have one, we have one bad play. The, 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 I mean, with the excitement of everything going on, uh, the, the snap from center got fumbled and we, it ended up costing us the game. And you could, you could just see the emotion on our players. Just, you know, we, we were, the game was ours. All we had to do was walk five yards into that end zone and we were going to be the, the NAL champions for the first year and beat the mighty, uh, Jacksonville Sharks. And, you know, it would have been the greatest, you know, underdogs. It, I mean, it was the biggest Cinderella story you can imagine. And we made one mistake at the very end. It, you were one play away from a Disney made for TV movie. Right. And what's, what's interesting, and, and I'll have to get Jason, um, if he's on, to share this link. Uh, but our local TV, uh, uh, CTV being one of our big sponsors, produced or a show for that. And sent it to ESPN and actually won an award from ESPN. Nice. Jason so, says Moneyball, man, being smart. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So, so was that the – have you won any championships? Well, the Lions went to four championships in a row. I think – I forget what the first league was, uh, but we were in a we were in one, one league. And then we won – the two years before we joined the, the uh, NAL – we won both championships. Now, I think somebody mentioned that. I think it was Terry last night mentioned that we were the bullies of those leagues. We really were. Uh, we beat some teams 100 to nothing. 100, right. It was 100 something to nothing. And we beat them 83 to 7. And we just dominated. We dominated so much in those leagues that in the championship game uh, of that second, that second championship, um, there's Jason just put the link up for the, uh, for that thing. It's, if you watch it, it's, it's a it's a pretty amazing show. You can see the if you've never seen emotion on football, this is emotion. But if you um, uh, let's see, or so that's but the, in the championship game, um, we 
were beating them so bad that they quit the game with five minutes left in the game, and they walked off the field and went home. <laughs> Damn. And this this was a 21-team league, and we just we actually destroyed them. Well, I can tell you this. It's so hard to go to a game and not have a good time. And, you know, I've seen it, you know, over the years just with, you know, a lot of owners come from like yourself. They've been out to games. They they get attached. You know, they see, you know, how big of an impact the team can have in the community and, you know, get to know the players, the coaches. And um, there's like a nice camaraderie about it. And and there's a lot of ways to, like I said, I think, you know, get things out of it, so to speak, without it being cash necessarily. Right. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you, and I'll speak for both Casey and I and Mike Hall. We are all in this because of kids. We all uh, uh, bought into the team. Um, So for my, my, you know, for me, it was the water boy kid that got me involved. And then since I got married, now I have four daughters. And so um, with the four daughters, you know, I, they weren't really into football. And then we started watching some game when I would travel to Washington to visit, to visit them, we would start watching some games on, on, uh, on YouTube. And, and then when they came to the thing, they weren't football people, but they are football people now because they come to a game. We're sitting there. You're eight, you know, where else can you be 10 inches away from a field of play in football? We are so close that literally the players are leaning on, leaning on the thing and the play. I mean, we're having to back up because the players are in our faces or the coach comes over and tells you, hey, here's the next play as you're as everybody around yeah. you is watching. Or, you know, and I, and I thought I was going to get a fine for this one time, but uh, a ball comes flying through. I lean so far over the field and, and swatted at the ball. that. But it was kind of funny because my fingertip just barely touched, but you could hear it. And the referee looks at me like this real quick and – like, cause it's, cause it really should have been fan interference, but the guy, the opposing team caught the ball. So he just let it go, which is, which is fine. But I don't know. If, I mean, I'm not sure if I hit it or it just, it was just the sound, but it was just this barely thing. And, but to be able to, I mean, I saw some plays in Jacksonville where the, the fan reached over the thing and just grabbed the, the, the kickoff returner. He just grabbed him and, you know, it, it, but the you fans can't prove can that. You cannot prove that. Yeah. <laughs> the fans can get so involved. The fan, you know, if you come, if you look, most of the people say, what's your, what's the place you don't want to go play? Almost every time in the NAL it's Columbus Lions. It's, you know, Columbus, uh, Georgia in the arena at the Civic Center, because it is, you know, it's, it, you're just, everybody's just right on top of you. You're, you're playing. And, and I, it almost feels like blood sport kind of thing where people are just going crazy. You're hitting into the wall. I can remember a time I was in Greensboro at the uh, uh, Cobras game, and my daughter flew over there with us uh, um, with my call and got a, a private, a little private plane to fly us all out there real quick to the game. So we're out there, and my daughter's doing the water boy uh, things. And she, so she's on the bench, and she's not paying attention because the, you know, the, there, there's a whole lot of things going on at the same time on the field. So she's looking one way. And the next thing you know, here comes a receiver coming straight at her, smacks her right in the face, helmet everything. She's laid out on the ground. Her glasses have, are, are, you know, flew off. She gets up and she has the biggest grin on her face. Like she just, it was this huge thing. And, you know, they're trying to help her up and they think she's got a, you know, they're worried she's got a concussion, but she's got this grin like, oh, I can't believe that just happened to me. So, but most of the owners, like Casey Smith, uh, decide, um, 
said, I want to be back in. When I, when I was involved in football four, my kids were too young to enjoy it. I want to come back in. Um, I want to come back in and I want to enjoy football, but I don't want to do, I don't want to be the, you know, I don't want to be a single entity owner or single owner and do this. And then my call, you know, his, his family, you know, they're, they're staunch supporters of the team, you know, and, you know, of course he's, he's one of the owners as well. He's, he's, he, uh, as far as shares goes, he's got the second behind, I behind myself, but he, um, we, we drag our families to all the games. We drew our, we drag our families up to New York. We, you know, we just, we did everything together. Just an amazing, amazing time. And I'm looking forward to going to Ontario and to some other places. Um, and all these, all these, you know, the new, the, the new arenas, you know, um, to Albany and, and, and then I'm looking forward to the expansion that's coming up. Yeah. And, and just touching on the family thing, it's funny. Cause uh, my, my kids are a little older now. Daughter's 23. She's out on her own. And uh, my son just turned 17. So I was talking to my son the other day. And, you know, he's like, you know, Dad, I just – one of the most fun times in my life was when you would take me out to practice. And I remember it was like up in St. Louis. So he was probably like 9, 10 years old. And we would practice at like 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And it's right. it's school nights. I'm, I'm a good parent, I guess, right? Um, but like, I would say, look, let come along with me. We'll grab something to eat. We'll go to practice. And so what you guys are saying, I mean, you, they may not realize it now, or even you guys, the, the magnitude of it, but those kids are going to remember all that stuff, like the rest of their, their lives. And, you know, my kids, I, we traveled everywhere. We, you know, we went to every road game. Um, so, I mean, it's a pretty cool thing. And, um, you know, now they're a little older and they don't want to be around me, so they probably wouldn't go. But <laughs> right. Well, you know, my my five year old, um, she's five now, but she was four uh, and three and four years old. So we took her to one game. The first game we played against the uh, Orlando Predators. It last. It, it left us such a lasting impact. This is what you know, not this past season that we missed, but the season before that. Uh-huh. This la- left such a lasting impact that every time she talks about football, she talks about the Orlando Predators. And she was looking around. I have a big stack of, uh, of footballs. Uh, got to be careful how I say that. But I got a big stack of footballs, and she couldn't find an Orlando Predators one. She was demanding that I get one. And so we had to go back to the ownership group of the Orlando Predators to see hey, get us a football. And eventually did because um, she wanted to play because that's the team that she knew. She, it's the only team she's been to because she goes to bed at 7 o'clock at night. <laughs> and so, you know, if you look at it, so when I was a kid, um, I I would have killed for some of these opportunities that say my kids and, and, and uh, where they're getting now. Me too. I was in high school, and we were such huge football fans. And and I and I need to tell this story. My my, my best friend at the time, Lauren Oliver, and I we were, we were in Spain. We couldn't watch. There was no TV of football. The only TV, the only time they would ever get football in was the was the bowl games at the end of the year, and the Super Bowl. But they came on at two in the morning, so we would we would always try to find a way to go watch those games at two o'clock in the morning on the base because we lived about thirty miles away. And I mean, it was it was a, it was a crazy time because it was school nights, and you know we we're, <laughs> were trying to do it. So we had to we spent four years listening to football games. We couldn't watch them. We, we just spent four straight years listening to football. We were so such huge fans of football that we had this little football game. It was this weird little disc that you shoved in a slot. And then, so on the front side, it had the play that you ran to. You had like 10 discs. 
And on the backside, it had six defenses that you could run, prevent defense or run defense or pass defense, whatever. And so when, so you would hand the, the, the disc to, the, to the, your opponent, and he would slide it into this game. And then however he slid it in, it was the defense that would run. And then, and then this little voice would come out, three-yard run, you know, something along those lines. We played an entire NFL football season keeping stats. <laughs> and it took an hour per game. At, you know, at, at the time, I think there was 28 teams, so 14 games per week. So 14 hours a week, we played an entire NFL season and kept the stats of every single player. That's how how big of fans we were of football, and uh, you know, so it was it was it was just an amazing time. Uh, you know, if I you know if I had one, I would love to get my buddy Lauren. I mean, from the top to out to uh, to a game. So if he's listening, you need to come out and watch this year. He's out in Arizona, um, so not a um, not a bad drive or short little flight to Ontario too. If he wants to come yeah. out there, yeah, that's we're we're uh, I'll I'll make sure he gets out to a game, but. Uh, but to be able to do something at the level that we do now would just be amazing. Just, you know, wrapping up a few things. What are you guys doing, you know, in prep with, you know, the COVID situation right now? You know, obviously there's some vaccines out. How is Georgia? Um, how is, you know, the Columbus Civic Center as far as fans and, and all that stuff? Um, well, we're, we're kind of sitting we're, we have to play a waiting game. We're waiting for, uh, uh, the Civic Center to tell us. I know Jason's kind of been more taking more uh, the lead on that. I think um, what, I, and I'm, I'm not sure if this is correct, but I think what I was told that we can put into 50, we can put up to 1,500 people there the first quarter of the year, and then, but but they don't know what's going on the fourth quarter because there's so many factors that we just don't know how how widespread will the vaccines go? How how at what point will the people uh, in our area get them? Um, you know, will there be will, will there be any you know with a new you know, new administration coming into the White House? What changes will that make? So we there's there's a lot we don't know. The best thing we can do is just prepare to play the season so way, that way the the moment that it drops and we and you know the moment that football uh, touches the ground, we're ready to go. So we're focused mainly uh, on uh, on that because there's there's not much we can do with the COVID situation, and we're not gonna you know we're not gonna uh, there's nothing we're going to be able to do at a team level to to change what kind of the rules and regulations that we're using or that we're that we're that we're given. So, oh, don't put that up there, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, a couple last things. What is your favorite arena on the road to go to as a visiting team? Oh, let's see. So, if, if for the arena itself, um. That's a toss-up. It's got to. I hate going to the Cobras Arena. I, I'll just be honest. I hate going to Carolina. Um, so that's not it for sure. Um, why do you, Why but, do you hate that one? Well, they, they were kind of our rival. I mean, they were our rivals. I mean, I, I, when we played them in the champion second NAL championship game, we walked in with the most beat up ragtag team. We picked one guy uh, had played for us a couple of years before. We we flew him in the day that that night of the game, or the, the not the night of the game, but the night. They get one o'clock in the morning before the game because we were out of receivers. We had lost all of our receivers that game. We lost our quarterback. We lost a couple of our, I mean, I think we had two people that had started the game previously playing for us in that game. We just got, which is a terrible, so, you know, it's just a terrible time. And we, uh, um, <laughs> well, and now that Jason says it, I'll tell you this. Jacksonville is one of the two that I love going to. And, 
but it's it's hard. And then also going to Orlando. Orlando is just a state of the art facility. I mean, they gave us a box our first game there. My where my my daughter and Jason's daughter can go up and play, and that box was just uh, was just absolutely amazing. But it was so far up you could barely see the game. I mean, it's so high up. Uh, but I, you know, I went to I went to an Orlando uh, Jacksonville game, and I, I'll tell you the one I got I kind of got in a fight with Steve. <laughs> Because I am a fan of the game. I'm literally a fan of the game. I am not the game to – once the game starts, my people even know, don't come bugging me during the game to get some work done. I'll answer You're a question guy. too. But I am a fan. I'm there to watch the game. So every arena I go to, I talk to the owner and say, hey, I need a front row seat. I don't want to sit up five rows back with the other owners. I don't want to sit 20 rows back. I want a front row seat. And I've had to pay for some of those seats sometimes. So I, I talked to – you know, I talked to uh, – I went to Steve and said, hey, where's my seat? He goes, man, I don't have a seat for you. We sold them all. And I got, I got so mad at him. And I was just pissed. I just turned around and walked away. And I, you know, I feel bad because it's not his fault. I mean, he's got to make money too. But you know what you what do for that is you just go on the bench. Like I used to have my coach add me as an assistant coach so that yeah. I could legally be on the and I don't get involved in that, but I just stand in the bench area. I just, I, I, I don't, I want to experience it as a fa- as the fans do. Okay. I don't, I, you know, I, I can go on, I can go on the bench if I want to, but I just, it's, it's not the same for me. I want to, okay. I want to see it with, with the fans. I want to interact with the fans from the other teams. And, and when I go, I generally am sitting it and packed in with other fans. I'm not sitting with my own owners. I'm sitting with people from the other teams, but I went to one game and um, uh, Kevin and Jason invited me to go sit in their, in their, their uh, suite with them. And so I went over there and I sat in these seats and I'm, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm kind of a big guy. And I sat in the suite and I was like, now I'm feeling around. I'm like, this is the most comfortable seat I have ever sat in. It was one of the dream seat suites or yeah. dream suite seats. And I'm sitting there and I'm, and there a girl's coming to bring me popcorn and, and, I, and there's drinks coming. I'm like, and there's, a, I just walked 20 feet this way and there's all the food I want to eat. And I was like, man, this is the life. And, so I brought that brought that to Columbus. So we eliminated an entire section of seats and we created suites around a field level suites because as a fan, that is what I, I want the experience of the game. I want the players flying over the thing, nailing me. I, and I, I'm looking forward. Uh, Lonnie, if you're listening, you better hand me a football after a touchdown. And I don't care if I got to pay the fine that's coming from that, but I want the football and you're, you need to you need to do that. And I, you know, the 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 football's flying over the, you know, the the players flying over the game. The coaches coming and talking to you. I can remember, um, you know, the other opposing coaches coming to ours. I, I think Billy must have hated it because he got yelled at more than anybody in the world coming to our arena. And so just the excitement of all that. But we, but the Columbus Lions brought in suites this year, so they're the entire uh, field around the field is going to be suites. Uh, a couple of questions. Somebody was asking what you think about adding rebound nets. Um, I've never watched a game with the rebound nets. I'll be honest. I was, I never watched any of the arena football games or the AFL games um, when they were, you know, back in its heyday. So I don't know a whole lot about them. Um, but the big key where I think it would, it would, it would probably not fly on any of the votes in the NAL is simply because it's in a huge additional cost and you've got to retrofit some of the arenas. And and uh, one of the things that what's that more more just in the setup cost. I mean, just yeah, it's it's the setup. It's, uh, install it's, it's, it's the setup. You know, you gotta you gotta set them up, install them. You gotta do all that stuff, and 
it's it's really comes down to uh, like Jason said, it comes down to money, yep. and we um, you know we really we really like what we're doing with the deuces, and and that's I mean it's a the deuce is one of those things that just drives fans nuts when it, when it, you kick a deuce when Skyler or Tyler uh, Arasa kicked five deuces that game, it was absolutely amazing, and just the crowd was just going nuts. What about Ironman football? You know, I've heard a lot of talk about that lately as well. Um, I know there there's some people in, in in the league that are big proponents of that. Um, you know, I don't. I, we lost a quarterback. Uh, a couple. We we lost. You know, uh, Mason Espinosa. He was he was just he was an amazing quarterback on target. I think he threw five interceptions in the first half of his first game against the Sharks and didn't throw but three interceptions in the next two seasons after that. So he was something along those lines, but just amazing guy. He went down with injury. I just can't see a guy who plays two ways protecting a quarterback. That's the face and the value of, you know, the face of the team. That's that, uh, you know, when he went down, we were in first place uh, that year and we lost the next five of the six next game, five of the six games coming up. So uh, I, I just, I, I have a hard time with a defensive lineman protecting my quarterback because he's, because he has to be able to play both ways. So I'm not sure how I really feel about that. I think the concept is really cool. I mean, to have some guy come out and play Iron Man, there's a few of them now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was a, a, a guy last year uh, from the Sharks that played both ways. And I, I think he may have even um, – I wonder if he – I think it, it may have been Gilchrist. I'm not sure, but he, who won the MVP last year at the championship game. Um, or Chris Gilchrist, but I'm not sure. Um, oh, yeah. How uh, many what, – what is that all about? Uh, well, Jason was known – all right, so at one point, as long as you won the challenges, you could just kind of keep going. Like unlimited Jason, challenges? I, well, it, it felt like it, but you could get three <laughs> challenges a half, and that seems like forever. Wow. And Jason was the master of challenges. He, because he knew the rule book better than the officials do because he helped, you know, he was, he was a Cody Saul. It was Cody Saul um, who was, yeah, he, he, you're right. Cody Saul was that. Like I remember talking to him from my nice seat that the Jacksonville Sharks gave me. It was funny because I was talking trash to him. He's right, you know, right in my ear. I'm right in his ear, and he and then he catches the ball like two seconds later, and runs it down for a touchdown. Um, uh, so uh, we got to get better. At, one of the things that we've got to get better in our team is kickoff return. We got to learn how to tackle better. But um, <laughs> less less challenges by Gibson and uh... no, we need more of them. <laughs> more of the challenges we we he used to win almost every one so that's why we'd keep going and get more of them then eventually uh we kind of toned it down where i think you get uh one or two you get one or two a half i think you get uh three a game or something like that i, I don't remember what the rule is now but um but he would win them all the time and so why not in my opinion you, can, you should be able to challenge anything and if you win the challenge you should be able to keep going yeah yeah, I mean, as long as it's not excessive to the point where you're just doing it to disrupt the game, and right, you know, right. um, well, so if you start losing so many, then well, if you lose, I think if you lose once you lose one, or I think once you lose one, I think that you, at that point you're you're kind of done. So he would he would he wouldn't challenge it unless it was something that he was 100 percent sure of. But like I said, he knows the rule book inside and out because he was he helped you know he was he's the he, at the right. time he was the head of the rules committee, so yeah. he knew it better than the officials did. And so, you know, a lot of times we'd have to break the rule book out during the game and show them. I know because I wrote it. <laughs> I, can right. s- I can see him doing that right now. What is the best part about being 
an owner, the majority owner of the Columbus Lions? Um, well, it's not the all the extra hours that it takes to do some of that stuff. So I think the best part is is really just uh, having the ability to use what talents I have to make the you know help the team get better, help the team survive, help the team going. I mean, Columbus Lions have been around for 15 years, and I've only been a part of it for about five of those years. But, you know, our slogan is 15 years of family, fun, and football. And to be able to do that, and then the other piece is um, uh, being able to be a fan of the games. You know, I, 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 uh, you know, being able to be in that front row seat. I mean, if you haven't experienced a front row seat at a game, then it's amazing. But, yeah. I, you know, but my, my petty one, if I could list a petty thing, uh, going to Orlando or any of the arenas, I get to park next to the team bus. Um, so I get to park. Sometimes <laughs> yeah, so I get to, I, I get to uh, park right there next to the team bus. And uh, uh, so when I get so I, I don't you know, I don't have to go search for parking or, you know, figure all that out. I just go follow bus in and, and right. that's where I'm going. So I guess you got a good PA announcer. He's the second best in the league as, as far as Joshua is concerned. So yeah, yeah, Eric Fowler, he's, he's great. His voice is so deep and powerful that he overpowers the mics all the time. So, I mean, it is, it is, it is, uh, it's deep. Any last things you want to add about what you guys are working on in Columbus? I know I, I try to keep them at about an hour and I know I'm, I, I could talk. I mean, you got some great, great stories and some information. So, well, so not so much from Columbus, but from the league level, here's one of the things that I'm very excited about is I'm excited about fantasy football coming out. Um, one of the things that I did with a little group, a uh, group of guys that I spent time with, you know, online, going over the NL they're from all different teams there's people from Carolina Jacksonville and some other teams and we we, we've been doing fantasy football for two years now and I think I won both years because I'm just a fantasy football legend um and so but we've been doing it for two years playing and I'm so excited that we're going to be able to do it with a professional because we've been doing it with we just we abused one of the Jacksonville interns to make him do all the stats for us and and calculate all this you know all the scores and points and and all that and we had, to, we had to do a lot of rule changes along the way, but I'm excited for the fact that as a league, we are going to have fantasy football this year. And because, you know, when I did it last year, I picked up almost all Columbus Lions, and I win with the Columbus Lions team because our stats are, are good. But I picked up one player from the uh, Massachusetts Pirates, Marty Gilliard. He turned out to be the number one player on fantasy football for us. And it was interesting because nobody really brought up that fact during the year and he scored so many touchdowns and had so many points, so many catches, so many everything. You know, the only sad part about it is I friend requested on Facebook and, and he never accepted it. So he ignored it. Um, probably because, like I said, I, nobody knows who I am. You know, I'm just the exec, I'm just one of the executive directors and the team owner. But, you know, I don't think anybody even knows that. So uh, but the, the, the it's going to allow all of the people that follow the NAL to get to know players from every team. Because imagine when your player is playing on a team, you know, on, on, a, on another, on, you know, it's not your team playing, but your players playing, you're going to be watching those games. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm excited for that. I think it's going to be a great addition. Um, and I think that's going to be one of the things that helps the NAL really push forward. Well, the one thing I keep hearing from people I talk to, and I've been talking to Jason a lot over the last month is just, you know, it's all about fan engagement. You know, I like this show, you know, we're trying to, trying to get more in, out there with the fans and, and connect. And, you know, I think uh, NAL live, I think the fantasy football 
um, some of these other programs that you guys are working on behind the scenes. I mean, it's just going to enhance the fan experience. And that's really what it's all about. Cause if we don't have fans, then we're not going to be doing this, you know? Right. And, and so it's important that, uh, you know, the fans do participate, you know, give us feedback, you know, right. on this forum or, or reach out to the teams, but you know, we can't do every idea that you come up with. So don't be offended if your idea is not, not used, right. but definitely want to see, um, you know, that engagement. So, well, I've got a question. I actually have a question for the fans. Um, one of the things that we've talked about in Columbus, and I think we brought it up at the league meetings, but we, we're not, you know, we're not sure really to go for it, is what do people think about having a three-point play after touchdown? So if you've got, I would love to see, if, I would love to see some comments. If anybody, what, you know, under the XFL did it, what, what if we brought something like that to the NAL? What, do, what, what does everyone think about that? I would uh, check with Casey too. We, we did something in the X League um, indoor where we had different points for extra points based on, you know, where the ball was placed. Right. And, uh, right. I think getting creative like that is, is pretty good. You have uh, Josh uh, Jackson up in Jacksonville asked, what do you think about any crossover championship games with other leagues? Do you think that is ever a possibility? Um, um, we've talked about that for years. I know uh, Jeff Bushy, when he was uh, in part of the league, um, he, was trying to set that up. And I know we've had, we've had a bunch of, uh, you know, discussions with the IFL about, about it. The hard part is we play two completely different games. I would yep. love to see a championship game. I know I remember last year, uh, well, the last season we played, Jason and I actually went up to um, Sioux Falls and watched a game, but the Sioux Falls and between Sioux Falls and uh, their Arizona uh, teams. And, you know, so it was, it was kind of, it was a, it was a really fun trip for us because it, we were on an off week and we said, hey, why don't we go up there and watch a game and see what the IFL is about? And, you know, we, we wanted to look at some of the rules that they were they were doing. And um, so we went up there and it was just he and I it was for us. It was like boys night out. Um, and we went out there and, you know, uh, imagine me just a, a basic fan of the game. And I'm in a, I'm in a meeting with Kevin Guy, you know, um, it's my wife. <laughs> I played American football and play soccer in Spain. But so I'm in a meeting with uh, Coach Riggs, Kevin Guy, and Jason Gibson. And I'm sitting there and I, 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 I'm, I'm, they're talking. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying, there's not much I can say because I'm now sitting in a, in a just, in, it was just at a, in a meeting before one of the games. And I'm sitting there and it is the three winningest coaches in arena football that are working today. And I'm sitting there. It's just a you know a fly on the wall is what I felt like, and so it was it was a it was a great time. Um, the best part about that trip though was Dutch ovening uh, Jason in the car on the way back. <laughs> That's always the best. All right, I have one last question. Who was the biggest shit talker at the meetings last week? Oh gosh! All right, so. Terry is always, he's always up there talking smack. Uh, Steve, you know, Steve was probably laying on the thickest because, you know, he, of course the Jackson Sharks did win two of the three NAL championships. So he's laying on the thickest. Um, Rob was, Rob was probably a little subdued, but uh, normally you know, Rob gets his one lighters in and then, and then it's all done. Um, and yeah, I think it, it, Steve is probably doing the most of it because it's uh, because we were in Jacksonville 
and it was, you know, his, his home place. Um, and, you know, it, Greg Fenorio wasn't there, so we, we missed that part of it. Uh, but it was kind of funny to watch Patrick. Patrick was sitting right behind me from the Ontario, uh, California team, the Bandits. And it was kind of fun because we were, you know, we, he, he was a lot more laid back than I expected. But I can remember when he walked in, he was tired. He had just flown all night and just gotten there. And, you know, he, and I, I, you know, when we, when he was at the, when he was at the show, I know he was talking about how he just had to soak up everything. And, you know, he was just soaking up everything behind us. And he, he, he was like, wait a minute, you guys are going to do this. How do you do that? And he, so he really, I mean, it was great to see, uh, you know, all the, all the owners sharing their thoughts, sharing, sharing, you know, their opinions and sharing what works for them, what doesn't work for them. It was, it was, it was really good. Um, you know, I've had my fights with the owners during the season, but you know, at the league meetings, it's always been, it's always been a lot of fun, but I, I would say hands down, it's probably gotta be, it's going to be Jacksonville. Yeah. It seems like it. I see them on social media. So they seem like the big, you know, I guess they got the trophies to back it up. I mean, you know, but they have a nice target on them now. Six yeah, well, other teams are gunning for them. But if you look at it, uh, you know, this, this kind of speaks to how well the organization is and how well they do in football. But, uh, in the game against us, they were one play away from losing that championship. And in the, in the game against Carolina, uh, they were down by 11 points with a minute left in the game. And the Carolina Cobras had the ball. I don't know how you lose that game, but the Carolina Cobras have the ball. And you, I don't, I mean, it's hard to blame uh, blowing an 11 point lead on the officials, but yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> you know how those officials are. We're not allowed to talk about them on NAL Live. That was the one stipulation. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it was a great game. Jacksonville won both of them. So, you know, you got to give it to them. They've got two trophies, and that's what counts in the end. Well, Joshua, I want to thank you for joining me. It was good to get to talk to you. I mean, we've talked a few times, but never really – Right you know, in depth like this, it's good to kind of get to know you a little bit. And I'm sure the fans too, especially now they're going to see, Oh, that crazy guy is our owner over there. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hey, keep, keep doing a good job. You and Jason are, are, are doing awesome stuff up there. Um, anything I could do to help you guys, you know, you can call me. So, um, Absolutely. you know, appreciate it. Well, I love, I love what you're doing is, is one of the best things that this, the league's needed for a long time. I've loved the show. I've watched every episode. And, you know, I, I've, I've got I a really listener and a watcher. <laughs> I, I, uh, I appreciate um, uh, everything that you do for the league. I think what you're doing is going to really make a big difference. Well, I, that, that's the goal is just help elevate the game. It's such a great game. And uh, we'll be seeing you. I'm going to come up there and get those scuba lessons and uh, yeah. check out a game. So uh, next week we'll be back for another show. So uh, see you guys next Tuesday.